Hey, this is Gerd Handel, and welcome to the Inner Light Project. This show is for anyone who's wanting to lead a happier, healthier, and enlightened life. Create more self-love. Inject more joy and abundance into their daily life. Join me for inspiring interviews and spiritual topics so you can shine your inner light. Hello and welcome to the Inner Light Project. My name is Gerd Sandel and today I want to share with you somebody who has 30 years of experience helping people to have life transformations. Kristin Dillaherta is a spiritual teacher, a personal transformation coach who shares his spiritual teachings with his clients. He's the author of Awakening the Soul of Power and has spoken on TEDx. Hi, Christian. I'm so grateful to have you on the show and thank you for joining us today. Hi, guys, and thanks so much for having me on the show. Appreciate being here. Bless you. Your story is fascinating and you've been on this amazing spiritual journey for a very long time. Um, I'd love to share with the listeners what your life was like before you became a spiritual teacher. Well, I guess my last corporate job, I was, I was working for a psychiatric and addictions hospital. My degrees in psychology, my, my dad was, used to be a psychiatrist when he was alive. So he came, you know, I came out of kind of that world, that tradition. Wow. Um, I was living in South Beach in Miami at the time and had a very enviable life, you know, cushy job and making decent money and sports car and the Armani suits and all that stuff. And <laughs> heard that the more that I had and the more that I was that I was sought after, whether professionally or personally, the more that I kept feeling is like, there has to be more to life. Mm. And so I think that so one of the things that that triggered my was was that search for meaning that, you know, what am I and asking the, the existential questions? What am I here for? What's what's my purpose? Mm. I can really relate with what you're saying, because even with me going back 10 years ago, I was I was a journalist. Um, working like obsessively crazily had amazing things but I was unhappy internally and it wasn't until I had that like aha moment where I actually well I actually had a cancer scare which kind of scared me (laughs) um and I was made redundant at that time actually woke me up and that's when I was like right I need to go on a journey of understanding myself and loving myself yeah and yeah and you know it's I didn't have that. I, I was reading about you, your, you know, on your website, some of your history too, and appreciating your journey as well. And I didn't have that scare at the moment. I didn't have a, a cancer scare that triggered it. Uh, my searching, it was more of a cumulative. There has to be more. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I grew up really spiritual, really religiously. Um, wow. I didn't understand at the time that there was a difference between religion and spirituality. Um, and in my late teens, I came to a place in my life where I realized that the religion in which I was raised didn't have room for me. So I kicked, you know, I threw the baby out with the baptismal water. I wanted nothing to do with that some act of, of religion or spirituality, confusing the two. Mm. Um, and so through my twenties, it was mostly, it was mostly that search of there has to be more to life. Cause I just, rejected or tried to reject just a whole part of being human that I just didn't know. You know, like, like in so many ways, I had also tried to reject or, or run away from my sexuality um, and then realized that I was doing the same with another integral part of 
who I was, who I am as a human being. Wow. So I guess you were kind of, what's the word, in the spiritual closet, like you were hiding away from the world of who you truly were just to put on a good show for society, I guess. Well, I, I, didn't, I didn't feel of it that way. I, w- I was definitely in, in the other closet, in the sexual closet, you know, because yeah. I, I, known, I had known for a long time that I was gay, but I wasn't out to my, except to a few friends. And eventually my family, one by one, um, I think spiritually, I just, I just rejected it. You know, I, I didn't, because I confused it with religion and no wonder, you know, given the, the, the treatment that LGBT people have received and in many cases still receive at the, yeah. at the hands of most religions in the world. Um, so I, did, I just didn't feel that it had room for me. Until later on, I started realizing, like, wait a minute, you know, there's a difference, and my spirituality is mine, and it doesn't depend on anyone or any institution. It's my direct connection to the sacred. Um, and then I started also re- researching that there have been so much history, so much research, that people that we today call LGBT were, were gay or whatever we call them. Uh, we're not only spiritually inclined, but we're actually honored for the roles, the spiritual service and leadership that they played all over the world. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> That's blown me yeah. away. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So that was, that was my first book called Coming Out Spiritually. It was probably 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah. I think, you know what, you're right about spirituality and religion, because I think even for me, I know I'm a lot younger, but like, it was confusing because I don't think like now there's you've got social media so you know you can look into spirituality and you know we have google but even growing up for me I got confused with spirituality and religion as well and then there was that whole kind of fear guilt and shame like am I doing the right thing and Mm -hmm. it's only as you grow older like you said um but then having that journey for me was where it led me to my spirituality and I, and I, you know, I know that you have um, Indian background. Were you raised Hindu? No, I'm Sikh. <laughs> oh, you're Sikh. Okay. Yeah. So Sikh, Sikhism is kind of a blend of spirituality and religion. But yeah, I yeah. didn't know I was being spiritual as a child, which was quite fascinating. So like I'd sit there and listen to hymns, but not really understand them. But it was like a spiritual moment where I felt like my body was free and just, you know, listening to the chanting but again, I didn't realize that that was part of spirituality. But then there was the other side with the cultural side, the social side, which as a woman of color, but as a woman being Indian, there's a lot of pressure to be a good girl, to sacrifice, mm-hmm. to people please. So you're doing it from a young age without realizing it. So for me, it was like, here's the religion that I grew up saying women are equal, yet my culture is doing the opposite. So it was exactly. A- it was very contradicting growing up, so I didn't know who I was. So I, it was put, it was all about putting on a good show for the like society, but really I was in a lot of pain internally, and I was trying everything and other things to numb the pain. And then yeah, it was yeah. only that I went within that I realized, wow, I don't need to please anybody apart from myself. Exactly, and 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 isn't that the human condition that you're? describing there we the ways that the there's so many ways that we try to run away from our from ourselves and from our inner demons um trying to numb it out with you know either substances or food or sex or shopping or 
working too much or social media, all, all the techniques that we used to run away from, from ourselves and not think and not feel. But what you're pointing to and saying that the, that the only answer was within yeah. is that we, we can't run away from that stuff. That stuff doesn't go away. It only festers under the surface and it gets worse and worse until we face it. And, and that's why this, this book that I've written, Awakening the Soul of Power, is part of a series of three. The title of the, of the series, series is Calling All Heroes. Mm. Because what we're talking about, what you're pointing to, is nothing short of heroic. It takes courage. It takes willingness to go inside and to ask the hard questions. Um, you know, who, who am I? What am I here for? Why do I do the things I do? Why do I get caught in these certain patterns of... of conflict or um, power struggles uh, why do i keep sabotaging my my relationships mostly subconsciously but why do we do the things we do and so the rewards are infinite they're so incredibly empowering the, the reward ultimate reward is freedom mm. when we're willing to do the work but it but it takes courage for sure 100 percent. and it's interesting what you're saying because if you look at a baby when it's born it's so free and it doesn't really care like what anyone thinks and just kind of like exactly. right and like runs around going la 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 but then suddenly we go to school and it's like no you must be this way and you must behave this way then you've got the religion yeah. aspect telling you how to be then it's the whole yeah. sexuality side then it's like you need a good job and like before you know it we're being like modeled into things that we're not so it doesn't really teach us education of self it teaches us how to seek validation externally exactly which is which is endless because if we get caught in that trap there's no there's never going to be enough external validation to to satisfy that that misunderstanding because it's ultimately a misunderstanding that there's anything wrong with us mm -hmm. um but because we that was put into us because we took that on from you know from society from culture because we misheard something or we're told something in a moment of overwhelm or reactivity when we were kids and those young minds that didn't know any better took it on as truth. And that we've been seeking you know, that external validation for something that needs no validation. Mm -hmm. um, and it's so it's kind of tragic, this trap that we find ourselves in until we break free. Yeah. It's what fascinates me as well is that people like think, oh, they need to follow what family, friends say or society says, but the divine created you the way you are for a reason. And you not mm -hmm. like listening to that is doing a disservice to yourself and the div what the divine gave you. Yeah. 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 And, and another way that I think about that is, you know, we've been, we've been conditioned to believe that to, to, that we have to be humble and that we have to, mm. you know, we cannot be arrogant. <laughs> but, but when, but then we, so then we start stuffing ourselves into smaller little boxes and we start hiding ourselves and hiding our light. Um, and, and so to me, it's actually the other way around. It's like, who do we think we are? How dare we play small? How dare we hide our, our innate God given gifts that we came in with? How dare we withhold those or play small or not express them fully because of fear what somebody else might think or not, or because we don't want to rock the boat too much. It's like, mm. no, no. Mm -mm. Wow. And it's funny, like what you're saying, it's, it's so true because like at the end of the day, like in five years, will that thing, what that person said to you matter? No. <laughs> of course not. 
Of course not. At the end of the day, we don't, we don't, that's going to be the least of the thoughts. I think at the end, at the end of the day, the only thing that, that will matter is how much we loved, not whom, but how much and how deeply and how fully we expressed our unique human potential. Because there isn't anybody out there, anyone in this universe or any other universe for that matter, who has the same genetics, the same skill set, the same qualities, the same set of experiences that make each one of us unique. If we don't give expression to that, nobody else is going to. Mm, so true. Yeah. I want to just go back a bit. Um, so you, you know, you were having, you had this amazing career, but you weren't happy from within. What did you do next after that? Well, what triggered my search was that I actually spent a weekend um, by myself. I didn't watch TV. I didn't do anything that could be distracting. I didn't listen to music. I just lived in the question, what do I want from life? And whenever I got an idea, I would write it down. And I came up with a list. And I wasn't evaluating. It could be something really big and ambitious or it could be completely petty. So I created a list of like 100 things of what I wanted from life. And then I started the process of eliminating. Once nothing else was coming up, I started eliminating what do I really want from life? And that that's the part that took longer. Um, and by the end, I think it came down to like three things. And let me see if I remember them. I wanted to to fulfill my, my potential in, in every sense of the word, physically, emotionally, psychologically, mentally, spiritually, which I had neglected for, for several years. Um, I wanted to fulfill my purpose. Like, what am I really here for? Um, at a soul level, at a mission level. Um, and then the third one was that I wanted to travel the world and see and work with people from all different walks of life and all different cultures. And I put away my list. I don't even know what happened to it. I never saw it again. It's probably sitting inside one of my books. <laughs> I think that process of, of getting so clear was catalytic. And within four or five months, um, no, six months, I first heard about breathwork. And it was I was sitting by the pool, um, reading something spiritual, and this friend of a friend came down and saw that I was reading something spiritual. And, and so we started to talk, and he told me about breathwork, and that was it. My very first session changed my life. I'd been on a track to get a PhD in psychology, and when I, had, when I did breathwork for the first time, I jumped tracks. I never went for the PhD because it works so fast and heals so profoundly um, in so many levels. Wow. And that began my process of searching. That's when I started to, to learn about meditation, uh, the different traditions of the East, began to learn about the, the mystical traditions of the West, mm -hmm. you know, that are, that are not dogmatic, that they're more about the personal connection with the sacred. Um, and, um, and yeah. I quit my job within, I think within a year that I quit my job and sold my condo and wow. gave away most of my belongings and broke up with my partner at the time and went on a spiritual journey. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. I guess it was like the most liberating thing you'd ever done. And the scariest. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the scariest I did, um, I joined, a, I was part of a spiritual community, an ashram. Um, and that was a real difficult thing to do. And I was living in Hawaii at the time and um, didn't know. And I didn't know when I was going to 
be able to come back and visit my family. I didn't, wasn't really supporting myself. I was working for the community. Wow. So I didn't have my own income. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a very, and, and then the opportunity to surrender, which I'm really, really grateful for. Um, but it was, it was that whole process of kind of dissolution of the ego identity that was incredibly difficult. Mm. And I'm really grateful. I am who I am today because of that. But it was a really challenging process. Yeah, I, I, I really understand with that. I think people think when you go on a healing journey, it's going to be like, ah, la, la, la. It's really not. <laughs> it's like waves yeah. of emotions of ups and downs and insights. Yes. Yeah, it's a very... Confusion yeah you're right very confusion like am I doing the right thing because again sometimes the mind goes back to what life was like before you start, went on the healing journey like exactly yeah like is this normal should I really be doing this and people around exactly. you are thinking you've gone nuts <laughs> exactly that's that's what my family and friends thought I was going crazy I joined the cult <laughs> um, and and yeah and then because you're not quite so we, we left where we were. We left a particular level of consciousness. We're not there established at the next level of consciousness where we're going. So that in-between phase is mm. confusing. Yeah. Yeah. It just took me back to my time. <laughs> I remember that. It was, yeah. yeah. People just thought I was off on, I was on something. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the part where you're, you're redefining who you are. You're really learning who you are and peeling off the layers to go back from within, which, you know, again, it's going back to being that inner child again and being that little five-year-old running around in the fields, not caring what people yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. And it's dismantling an identity, is dismantling a worldview, is like questioning everything, questioning what you believe and why you believe it. And, it's a, and that takes time, it takes process, and it can be confusing. Mm. Even like, I just looking back now, actually, is like even, so I worked in a pharmacy whilst I was studying at university. And then when I got made redundant, I went back for like a year just on the weekends. And I knew that wasn't right for me to be in that place because I realized like growing up, I thought medicines like, you know, it was a, you know, it was taking, you know, you took a, you took a pill and that's it, but you, you were never cured. You just assumed that, oh yeah, it'll, it'll help me. It'll help with my headache. Um, but when I went on my spiritual journey, I realized actually sometimes I didn't need Advil or a headache pay, like medicine. I just needed to rest or I was exactly. dehydrated. But because we live in a society that's like have these quick fix, fixes and want these things to like fix them quickly, we fall into that trap. And so as I was unpeeling off my layers, I realized I didn't really need all these things. And I, again, it was about going from within and the way I saw the world completely changed. Exactly, exactly. Which is one of the, the reasons that Eastern medicine contributes so much. It's, you know, it's, I'm not saying one is better than the other, but mm. the Western medicine is more about getting rid of the symptoms. Whereas Eastern medicine, I think their, their great contribution is like looking at the source. It's like, why is there a symptom? Why is that happening? What is off balance? So that we can address that. Yeah. Like, I it's think, more, sorry, go again, go <laughs> I was just saying, like, I believe both are great, but I think we should never be reliant on something. So like with the, far, like the uh, Western world, it's great to know that, you know, you have a problem or you have a health condition, you know, having scans, that's amazing because then you can find out what you can do. 
but it's also applying the Eastern ways and seeing if you can find a way that's natural before going down that route. Exactly. Exactly. But a lot of people don't realize that they just trust blindly with this is what the doctor says and that's it. And it's like, that's not how the, that's not how life is supposed to be. Yeah. And that's, it goes back to what we're talking about it to, to, it takes work. It takes courage to, to think for yourself and to question mm. um, where most of us are conditioned not to question and to just go along with what they tell us how we should be or what we should do. Yeah. Whoever they is. Yeah. Well, I've had my complete experience of that, having a health condition. Um, well, I'm fine now, but with my kidney and being shouted at by doctors because I, I had awareness of like the medicinal world um, because I was asking questions and they didn't like that. And being told one person saying you have to have your kidney removed, another one saying another thing. And I just kept refusing to listen and found the right consultant who actually was willing to talk to me on a level and not talk to me like a child. Um because people don't realize that you have power to ask questions. You have the right to say no. You don't need to believe everything a consultant says. Um, but somehow, like you said, the whole brainwashing thing has happened from a young age where we think, oh, yeah, they're right. We, we, what do I know? But we need to know our bodies. Like If we don't know our body, who else will? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, and I'm really glad you bring up that word power because that's what inspired me to write this book because I've you know noticed it myself and in people around me, how easily we give away our power. Mm. Um, like even in that situation, we're just completely giving our power away, our agency, our ability to choose. Um, not to mention all the times that we have gotten caught up in power struggles and um, say yes, said yes, when inside we really meant no. Mm. Um, and, and so I started thinking about that. It's like, why is that? Why do, why do we do that? Because it doesn't make any sense other than avoiding conflict um, and, you know, not rocking the boat too much. But what I started to, to realize is that most of us have an ambivalent relationship to power, even conflicted relationship to it. Part of us wants it, part of us is afraid of it. And I think what we fear is that if we really stepped into our power, if we really be all of who we are, that other people couldn't handle it and that we might, we might, end up rejected and, and alone, and who wants that? Um, I also think that we fear that we might abuse it, and, and no wonder. Like, how many abuses of power have we witnessed yeah. in our lifetimes? And all you got to do is turn on the news any given day to witness at least one abuse mm -hmm. of power. And who wants to do that? Like, most of us don't. Um, and then on top of that, we were we've been conditioned to believe that power is a bad thing. Power is negative with quotes like power corrupts. <laughs> Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And who wants to be corrupted? Um, but why did, what they didn't tell us, Gerds, is that Lord Acton was speaking specifically about political power, not personal power. So when you add to the mix that we've all we've also been conditioned to be afraid of the emotions, we've labeled the emotions weakness, we hate conflict, we avoid confrontation. When you put all that together, what happens is that we end up giving away our power, our innate, inherent power that nobody can give to us and nobody can take away. We are the only ones who can give it away. And, and the sad part, the tragic part, is the reasons that we give it away 
for, for which we give it away are really kind of sad and kind of lame. So we said we say yes when inside we feel no for an illusion of, of acceptance, for a, a false sense of security. We stuff ourselves into neat little boxes that, so as to not rock the boat too much for, for crumbs of pseudo-love, for, for morsels of love. And, and so it's not a, an effective strategy. So what the book is about is like, how do we step into power in a different way? That doesn't have to be about any of those things. That doesn't require um, that it be about hierarchy or fear or force or domination or manipulation. That doesn't require that we push anybody down, step on them in order for us to feel powerful. How do we do that? Wow. Wow. I'm blown away. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, it's so true what you're saying because like, we all have power within, but it's the power of who we are. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And it's and, and you're absolutely right. Is that power within? Yeah. Which nobody can get to, nobody can get to us. And and so I start, you know, by comparing the different kinds of power. And that's part of the problem. We confuse what kind of power we're talking about. So I talk about worldly power mm. or ego power, the yeah. way that the world looks at power. And so we tend to associate power with people, you know, people who have money or they're famous or they're high up in some kind of hierarchy, whether it's a corporate ladder or some kind of religious institution. But the thing about all those kinds of power, because they're outside, they're outside of us, they're external, they're fickle. They can be here today, gone tomorrow. Mm. Whereas the other kind of power, and, and that kind of worldly power is all, it's always has an agenda. It's always trying to get something for itself. And it's self-aggrandizing. So it's always blowing itself up to seem bigger than it is. Whereas the other kind of power, what I call spiritual power or soulful power, is inside each one of us and and it's humble it has nothing to prove because it knows like it knows how powerful it is um and so for example i think of of a gandhi uh, or a gandalf uh, you know in their simple monastic robes and, and their sandal feet you would never know from looking at them how much power they hold mm-hmm. until it's necessary and then get out of the way Gandhi brought the British Empire to its knees when it was at its highest point, at its zenith, in terms of global influence and global reach, without ever landing a punch or shooting a single gun. That's power. Mm. That makes sense. From what I'm getting with what you're saying, it's it's the people. Everyone resonates with ego power, but not spiritual power. Right. Right. Mm. We, we, we don't even think of it as power. We, we focus exclusively on, on ego power, yeah. um, on worldly power. And, but yet, how many more examples do we need of politicians, celebrities who have all the power, all the money that you could want, you could ever need, and they're miserable? Yeah. <laughs> Thin-skinned, like the slightest tweet sends them, sends them into a tailspin. Mm. Um, so, so like such a little such low self-esteem and how often do they get you know do they get in trouble with with substances or even taking their own lives Um, so we know that that's not where the answer where the happiness where the fulfillment lies that in none of those things um, that it's all within as as you started saying it's all within i think it's the key is like no matter what you have whether you have like you said, like the biggest house, the biggest car, like, you know, top car. Um, it's all about finding the peace from within. And that's, and that's the power. If you have peace, you have power. 
within yourself, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, it makes total sense. It makes total sense. And, and, it, and it's, it comes from self-knowledge. Mm. Yeah, but, and so that's why it's, it's unavoidable for, for, you know, I'm not dogmatic about many things, but that's one of them. If you want to be free, if you want to have a sense of personal empowerment, if you want to have a life that is filled with meaning and purpose, if even if you want a relationships that have a chance of working, we've got to go within and you've got to figure out who you are and why we do the things we do. Um, otherwise, we're always going to be at the at the power of other people who have even, even sometimes have even less of a clue. Yeah. And the beauty thing is, even if you have the money and you have the peace from within, you can do so much with that money, which people don't realize. It's not a bad thing to have money as well. I think a lot of people think, again, that is, is bad, which is, is strange. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're right. Money's neither bad nor good. It's just energy. Mm. depending on how we use it it has a good or a bad effect yeah gosh wow we're coming towards the end of the show it's gone really fast um <laughs> i've got a few more questions for you um the first one is what's your five top tips for someone who's kind of stuck in a rut at the moment and they don't know how to shift all right this is not an immediate solution, but it's a critical solution. We've got to understand what the ego mind is. So I, in, in this book, I spent the whole, the whole probably first quarter or fifth of the book is all about understanding the ego mind um, because that, that is the source of all, of, of all our suffering. Um, and the reason what, why we do the things we do and why we get caught in, in power plays and, and, in, in victimization mode and why we judge and why we take everything's personally. So we don't have time to dive into that. It's, it's, it's a more in-depth conversation, but here's the quick visual that's very helpful. If you put a, a, a football in the center of a stadium, that's what the ego is. Who we are is actually the stadium. And we've, we've allowed this tiny, tiny, tiny part uh, of us to think that it is all of who we are and to make really important, critical, consequential choices from its very tiny and always limited and fear-based perspective. Um, so, so, so really important to understand how, what the ego mind is and how it works. Um, another, this one does have immediate effects. Use the breath, take a breath. Uh, so if you feel stuck, if you feel like you're about to react, if you're stuck in traffic and are about to like go into a rage or or if, if you feel like sometimes you can use the breath for energizing, you know, the breath is it's, it's our most intimate, most loyal companion. It's at the core of every spiritual practice. Um, and, and so we can use the breath for different parts of it. But, you know, there are swamis in India who have that much control over their body that they can tell the heart to slow down and the heart slows down. Wow. They, some of them can even mimic, mimic states that are almost impossible to distinguish from, from death. Most of us aren't going to get there, right? We don't have that much control over the body, but anybody, anybody can slow down the breath. Anyone can do that. When we slow down the breath, the heart has no choice. The heart has to slow down. When the, and when the heart slows down, the nervous system begins to quiet down, the body begins to relax. And then we can, we can drop into, our, into ourselves, into our authentic selves and make choices rather than just react from these places of, of fear and reactivity. Um, what else? Um, 
a great another skill is like you know I'm, I'm from the tropics i'm born in cuba and lived in miami for chunks of my life and so for us a hurricane is a it's a very visual thing uh, so it's a, an intrinsic 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 part of life so i use it as a as a metaphor for what you were talking about for that inner peace so that we if we can find if we can be that eye of the storm and we can allow all the craziness of life all the chaos all the fear all the uncertainty all everybody's else's opinions and judgments and demands and what they think we should do and be and who we should be with and how we should do our hair and all that stuff. We can just allow it to rotate around us and we don't have to engage. We don't have to get sucked into anybody else's drama. Um, and that is incredibly empowering when, when we get to that place. Um, reach out. It's another one, you know, get, get help. There's no need to do this alone. Or, you know, do it. I know that we live in a very do-it-yourself culture, but there's there are a lot of advantages to to get outside help, to get to get coaching even from, from a person, because we all have blind spots. That's part of, of the nature of the ego mind, is we have blind spots that we're not going to see in ourselves. Uh, so it's really helpful to have an outsider perspective for, for objectivity and for feedback. Um, or to you know join a group, some kind of a personal growth and transformational group um, like that, you know, like, I don't know if you offer any of those, but I offer a year long coaching program. That's a group experience. Uh, there are many different opportunities for that. Um, get some help, reach out. Don't, don't allow yourself to, to be stuck um, in, in feeling like you got to do this alone or that you even are alone because you're not. Mm. <clears throat> and then I think the last thing is to remember that we always have choice. You know, one, one thing that we can count on is that life is going to continue throwing curveballs our way. Um, things are going to happen that we just didn't see coming, you know, accidents, loss of jobs, illness like, like you were faced with, the global pandemic, you know, things that most of us didn't see coming. And there's not a thing that we can do about any of that. Um, but what we always can do something about is we can always choose how we show up, how we respond to whatever that situation is, to whatever that curveball is. And when we reframe it that way, it automatically pops us out of that victim mode in relationship to life. You know, woe is me, poor me, woe is me. If only, you know, <laughs> this hadn't been this way or the system didn't work that way. But the thing is, like, if we're holding, as long as we continue holding someone or something outside of us responsible for our state of being, we just gave our power away again, completely. Yeah. So, so that's one of the other things that I'm also dogmatic about is like, we, we got to pop out of the victim mindset yeah. and it's not hard to do. I mean, it's not easy to do. It's nothing short of heroic. Yeah. Thank you for those amazing tips and definitely, yeah, about the victim mode. I think so many people live in victim mode without even realizing they're doing it as well. And it's, again, it's that whole thing about when you come back home to yourself, you, you realize you never were a victim in the first place. You always had the power. You just didn't know it was within you. <laughs> yeah. 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 What are you most grateful for? Hmm. It's <laughs> a really good question. So many things. I, I'm mostly in a state of gratitude um, just for being alive um, and for I mean, I'm so grateful that I, for the work that I get to do. 
that I'm not doing, you know, I know so many people who are who stuck in jobs or, or relationships that are sucking the life force out of them. Um, I'm so infinitely grateful that I get to do work that is meaningful, that actually makes a difference in real human lives. Um, and that I have attained a, a profound level of freedom within myself in relationship to life. Um, and if, yeah, that's to me, that's priceless. Beautiful. What shines your inner light? Hmm. <laughs> I think moments that that inspire awe, you know, like a like a beautiful sunset or a magnificent um, flower or a tree or a natural setting, or some amazing human, you know, accomplishment, whether it's sports or in the arts, and you know, those those moments where we're, we know we're in the presence of of excellence. Um, that touches my my heart deeply and lights up my soul. <laughs> Thank you, Christian, for just being yourself and taking that leap of courage to really go within and just discover who you you are and who you came to be in this world. Thank you so much. Thank and thank you for doing the same, um, because it takes one to know one. Yeah. <laughs> and it, and thank you for having me on the show, and thank you for having the show, um, because I know that because of your willingness to have this show many lives are being impacted in uh, in positive ways so thank you on on all our behalf bless you wow what a powerful interview it just shows that it doesn't matter where you are in life you always have the ability to follow your soul's wisdom and to follow what you're here to do in this world unfortunately that's the end of the show before i leave i want to leave you with this quote The less you define what yours versus mine, the happier you'll be, the more you'll shine. That's a quote by Matt Kahn. Take care, my sisters. Bye. For more information about the show or how to trust your inner light, visit my new coaching program at gerdshundle.com. And remember, stay happy, stay healthy, stay lit. lit.